Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Friday, Golden Eagle fans. Listen across the state of Mississippi on the Super Talk Mississippi Network. It's the Eagle Hour. Luke and Dalton flying solo today. Bob and Kelly taking a little early weekend, but we're happy to, to be hanging out with you today. Full show for you today. Going to be talking to Patrick McGee uh, in just a little bit. Some breaking news out of Starkville that may affect uh, Southern Miss's game with Mississippi State. We'll get to that and talk. Uh, Patrick was out at practice on Tuesday and a new article up about potential starting uh, lineups for the Golden Eagle football team. We'll also visit with uh, Jordan uh, Farmer, a former Southern Miss football player, and all that's uh, coming up. Uh, first segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by Campus Bookmark, located uh, on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, just eight days away from a kickoff and everything you need to get to cheer on the black and gold, you can find at Campus Bookmark. You can also uh, go online, campusbookmark.net, and get all the swag uh, you need. Dalton, down in the First Bank studio in Hattiesburg, I am in uh, beautiful downtown Laurel on a gorgeous Friday, and I, I tell you what, uh, high school football kicking off tonight, Eagles kicking off against Alcorn State in just about eight days, and I'm really excited about Conference USA uh, football this year and what the Eagles are, are uh, having in store for us. And pleased right now to have uh, on the phone line with us Russ Anderson, the Assistant Commissioner for Football and Baseball Operations. And, Russ, you've been a guy, man, Conference USA. Since 1995, you've been with the conference. Welcome to the Eagle Hour. <laughs> it's pretty amazing that uh, we're in our 25th year. That, that time has definitely flown by. We uh, before we get to football, man. Uh, we always see you down in Biloxi, and I just want to, you know, commend you and your staff. What a great conference tournament it was this year. It is. It's such a. It's a great destination. That's a great ballpark and a, a great area down there. And we really appreciate all the support of the Southern Miss fans that uh, come to that and make that a great event. So let's talk some football. Uh, first thing, really, that I would like to uh, to, to talk about with you, man. A, a lot of Golden Eagle fans excited about uh, the media exposure from Conference USA. Even last night, Southern Miss fans uh, got to watch the Lady Eagle soccer team on on ESPN Plus and uh, Conference USA. You know, being able to to uh, get some some pretty good uh, media uh, deals going on. I know. Everybody was tickled pink, Russ, when uh, Conference USA signed this deal uh, with the NFL Network. The Golden Eagles will play on the NFL Network uh, this year three different times. Tell us about how that came about and how big of a deal that is for Conference USA football. It's really an outstanding uh, partnership to have, to be partnered with uh, one of the greatest sports brands that there is in the world, 
And for us to have a game that, you know, every Saturday at 2.30, we know Central Time, we know that every week. Um, and just, to, you know, to be associated, we know it's going to be the production of the games will be outstanding. And then there's the value, too, of uh, the exposure that you get to other fans that maybe wouldn't catch Conference USA football. For instance, last night I was watching their uh, Total Access show, and they had their first promo for Conference USA football coming up this fall. And so that's outstanding. You know, we're going to... When you're sitting there on Thursday night watching, you know, the Steelers and the Browns or whoever it is, and then you see a commercial coming up for Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech on Saturday on NFL Network, that's really outstanding branding. And, they're, you know, they're in 65 million homes. So, you know, hopefully we're going to reach out to a whole new uh, amount of fans that maybe hadn't really watched Conference USA football, but they'll tune in to NFL Network and check it out. There's a very few things uh, that people are, are glued to, like the NFL. Russ, our listeners uh, are curious. Now, how long does it take for something like that to come about? You know, uh, is it a few months? Is it a year? Do people reach out and kind of fill each other out on that? What what all goes into an agreement like that taking place? Well, I think that can vary depending on on uh, you know on the, the situation. I can tell you in this case, though, this came together fairly quickly uh, in the springtime. Um, you know, we had had a, uh, an opening availability because uh, our contract with BN Sports was up, so there was an availability for a 10-game package there, and I was able to get worked out, and we announced it, I believe it was the last week of May, um, and so it's been, uh, you know, really well received. We're really excited about it. Golden Eagles uh, will be playing Louisiana Tech on October 19th over in Ruston on the NFL Network. Two weeks later, uh, on uh, or I should say three weeks later, against UAB. And then uh, go down to uh, the Lane Train country uh, to end the season on November 30th. Uh, Russ, we start looking uh, at some preseason stuff, and we've been having. Dave Barnett was on this week, one of our favorite guys. J.P. Heath was was on. And, and uh, we were you know joking about what an all-star cast we have with, uh, with the voices, with John Cox and other guys. But you talk about you know the coaches in this league, Lane Kiffin, Butch Davis, FIU picked second uh, in the East. There is a whole lot of not only uh, coaching, not only player talent, but coaching talent in Conference USA right now. There really is. Um, you, you mentioned that you know, those two are probably maybe on a, a national profile, you know, have the highest national profile. But you, you look at guys like Skip Holtz and the job that he's done for years in this conference. Um, Doc Holliday's done a great job up at Marshall. Uh, Seth Luttrell, one of the real, you know, kind of rising stars at North Texas. And then, of course, Bill Clark, the reigning national coach of the year for the job that he did putting the UAB program back together. So, and there's many others. I think there's just a really great group of coaches in this league. What did it mean for the conference? Uh, because Southern Miss fans with UAB, man, it's just like UAB is going to get us in one sport they shouldn't get us at, and usually we get them in a, in a, a game they shouldn't. A big rivalry here. What did it mean for the conference that uh, UAB's football program resurrected as quickly and came back as powerfully as it did? I think, I mean, it was such an outstanding story. I think two years ago when they were just returning to the field, we didn't know what they were going to be, you know, how good they were. And they went out and won eight games that year and went to a bowl game. And I think a lot of people were kind of, you know, surprised by that. 
And then last year, they took the next step and won 11 games, won their first ever conference championship. And, you know, that's a real testament to Bill Clark, who was able to get about 15 kids to stay around during the two-year period that the program was down. And they came back, and he was able to, you know, recruit and uh, put all these new faces kind of together and have two very successful seasons. Now we'll see that they lost a lot of seniors off of uh, last year's team. So there'll be a lot of new faces for you. UAB. So we'll kind of be a little bit back to where we were two years ago, and let's see what, exactly what they are. Looking at the conference, uh, Marshall, which has been surprising to, to some of us, uh, picked to, to win the East. Uh, no no uh, really question in the West who the preseason favorite would be with, with North Texas, that potent offense. Southern Miss picked to uh, finish second in the West. What's, uh, what's your take on uh, just how much Mason Fine has meant to the conference with just the, the records that he sets out at, at North Texas and how he's just been on the national stage? Well, I think, yeah, clear, you, you said it. You know, clearly he goes into the season as the highest profile player, at least on, you know, on a national uh, basis, and he really has been outstanding. And he's, he's going to be blessed with a lot of good skill position guys around him again, so uh, that certainly makes them a force and, and in a lot of people's minds the, uh, the team to beat in the West Division. With uh, with Southern Miss, Golden Eagle fans are really excited about this year. Returning quarterback with Jack Abraham, uh, but but Rush, you know because uh, when Conference USA started, Southern Miss football and the '96, '97, '99 teams, just that defense was smothering so much pro talent on those teams. And there's a feeling around Hattiesburg, Russ, uh, that you know this team, uh, the, the defense especially, could could make some waves. You remember some of those old nasty bunch defenses, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, Cedric Scott and Patrick Sertan and uh, all those guys back then, absolutely. I mean, they, and that's why Southern Miss won uh, well, through three or four conference championships in the early uh, part of the conference because of that defense was definitely the main reason. We've got about a minute left. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, and I was going to say, I think when you look at this year's team, there's a lot of talented players on that side of the ball for Southern Miss. You know, and they did finish third in the FBS last year in in uh, total defense. So, uh, you know, the, with the, everybody they ever trained that side of the ball and the offensive side, obviously offensive line player play needs to probably get a little bit better. Uh, but if that happens, you know, look out, they could uh, be winning uh, the West Division themselves. That's what that's what Golden Eagle fans are shooting for. Uh, real quick, tell us about uh, this new Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Uh, you were telling me off air, it, it's not a lock, but it's a possibility uh, for Golden Eagle fans that the Eagles might could end up in a bowl like that. Yeah, we, we, basically we have a kind of a either-or agreement with that or the Hawaii Bowl, and it just it depends on a number of factors and how the how the race, um, you know, kind of shapes out. Um, we uh, obviously, I think, having a bowl in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and a second one because we will be in the first responder bowl this year. Um, it's, it's a great area, great destination to to have a post-game, uh, a postseason bowl. And I know Southern Miss came to Dallas a few years ago and played Washington in the the first responder bowl. Um, but you know, we do have six guaranteed spots going into the year, and then we have a couple of backup uh, agreements as well depending on how many uh, bowl teams we get eligible and some other factors. So, um, you know, we're in good shape with the number of bowls and some really great destinations we have to go to. Well, Russ, thanks for your time, man. Thanks for always uh, bringing us up to date on the conference. Thanks for being on the Eagle Hour today. Anytime, Luke. Appreciate it.
It's Russ Anderson, Assistant Commissioner for Football and Baseball of Conference USA. We'll talk some more Golden Eagle football with a former player right after this on the Eagle Hour. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Thanks to Russ Anderson, Assistant Commissioner for Football and Baseball, for joining us in that last segment. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, some of the best barbecue in the world. High school football starts tonight. College football uh, for the Golden Eagles starts next week. Let Dickie's cater your your tailgating. Maybe you're having a, a party at the house uh, to watch some football. Uh, just uh, call them up. If you go and, and see them in store, you always get that free ice cream, and it is always approved by Kelly J. Sander. Uh, appreciate Dickie's Barbecue for sponsoring uh, the Eagle Hour. Dalton and the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. I'm uh, in uh, Laurel, beautiful downtown Laurel. Bob and Kelly off today, uh, but, man, we are eight days away from kicking off uh, another season of Golden Eagle football. And here to talk uh, some about his days playing uh, for uh, the Golden Eagles, Brandon Farmer was a offensive lineman from 2012 to 2016, and he joins us now. Brandon, how's your Friday? Uh, it's going pretty well, and I appreciate the opportunity of being here today. And um, you know, I'm glad to talk about Southern Miss football. Man, I'm glad uh, you're on today, and our fans love hearing, uh, our listeners love hearing from uh, former uh, football players. Now, you you had the privilege of coming from the biggest high school in Mississippi. Is, is Harrison Central? Does it have its own zip code down there? <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. Uh, no, we didn't have our own zip code, but yeah, it was a lot of people at my school and it just made it uh just a bigger opportunity for me once i was able to you know uh be on the football field in high school being able to showcase my talents and being able to land a scholarship to go to southern miss it was almost a proven come true yeah harrison central i think they split it and and then west harrison became like a 5a school and, and harrison central stayed a 6a school uh but you, you know you mm-hmm. were brought up playing that football uh, on the coast and man coast football it's a little unique from other football that's played in the state of mississippi yeah, it's a little bit different, and uh, and, uh, and to your previous point, yes, uh, at Harrison Central split off to make a, a 5A school, but, you know, obviously we're still so large, we're still able to stay uh, a 6A school, and uh, a lot of people don't know this, but we also broke off our ninth grade, so our ninth grade had their own uh, uh, portion of the coast, so it was only 12th, wow. 11th, and 10th grade, and we're still 6th grade, I mean, school still a uh, 6A school. It's unbelievable, man. Downtown Socher, downtown Lyman, whatever you want to call it down there. But, but Brandon, um, you, you came in in 2012, and it's almost the season. Everybody just kind of wants to, you know, delete from their memory. <laughs> Were you recruited under Coach Fedora, or was Coach Johnson's staff the one that recruited you? So I was recruited heavily by Coach Fedora, um, but once he made the, uh, the switch and he left the school, uh, obviously uh, Coach Johnson did take uh, over a lot of the uh, other recruits from the previous year, and so, but I was uh, I was actually uh, given a scholarship by Coach Johnson, so I came in during that year. Was was it difficult? Because I had some buddies uh, when when I played at Southern Miss, uh, you know, that they would be recruited by a school, and then that coach would leave. Was it difficult signing with a coach that you know didn't recruit you the previous few years? Uh, yes, it was very difficult, but um, you know, just coming from uh, a high school, coming from my high school, you know, just. Have an opportunity to play for Southern Miss was what I really wanted. 
um, more or less uh, regards to the coaches, uh, the coaching staff. And so, um, even though the, my uh, recruiting coach that was there and he left, it was very disappointing. But I still wanted to play for Southern Miss, and that was always uh, my uh, objective. And so, uh, I, I just stuck to. Did you did you grow up a Golden Eagle? I mean, unpack that for us just a little bit. What made you want to come to Hattiesburg? Uh, well, I've thought about that question a lot here, and it was a number of different reasons. First and foremost, it gave me a scholarship, so that was definitely a really good selling point. Uh, and because me growing up on the coast, uh, Southern Miss was about an hour and a half away from where I lived, so I was able to uh, have me away from my uh, my home where I could be able to be independent, and my parents would still be able to come see me play when it was football season. And everybody knew that Southern Miss was always the school that had a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, they, they're always the team that, that took down some of the Power 5 schools. And having an opportunity to do that was always something I wanted to do. I, was, uh, I felt like I was known as, a, known as a, a sleeper prospect. I was overlooked by a number of different um, Power 5 schools for different reasons. But when Southern Miss gave me an opportunity to play for them, I wanted to be able to, uh, I guess, sort of get revenge on the other schools. But uh, Southern Miss has always been uh, on like, top of my radar once uh, I started to make my my uh, decisions on the, what schools I wanted to go to. Dude, you are so a Southern Miss fan because that's exactly how I felt. Uh, I played back in the 2000s, and I can't tell you that the guys like Michael Boley was overlooked, Rod Davis was overlooked, Adelius Thomas was overlooked. You know, all those guys went to the league. Mm, yeah. I totally, totally get that. So let's not talk about your freshman year, okay? Like, let's just not talk about that. But okay. so in in a span of about 12 months, uh, you're you're recruited by uh, one head coach. Uh, you're signed by another head coach. And then uh, Todd Munkin comes in. You have three head coaches in your life in a span of about 12 months. That was correct. And, uh, what was I, it I about – uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. It was a huge adjustment, but it was, it was one of those things where I can't control it, so I kind of just had to deal with it. And so uh, I know it's kind of, kind of morbid to think about it, but I, I knew how the, game, uh, how the game went. And so, uh, you know, just trying to make sure I show my value to the team and – Make sure the coaches always knew who I was, and uh, I want to make sure I, I did best. As, I want to do as best as I could to improve the team while I was there, and so I want to make sure the coaches knew me. They want I want to make sure they knew Brandon Farmer knew I was there to make the program better, and so that was always a difficult challenge when you had to start from scratch after just a couple of years. You look at the thirteen team. The UAB game at the end of thirteen was was so big. You come back in, in yeah. fourteen. You win some more games. And then 15 is when it all came together. What was it about? What did Coach Munkin do? Or or uh, what what did he say to you guys continually that made you believe, hey, we're here to turn it around and we're going to turn it around? Uh, it, was, it was many different things. I can be on the air for all, like all day trying to tell you some of the things that he would consistently drill into us. But it was more or less about consistency and him showing that he actually cared about us. And uh, and that was something that we we hadn't seen uh, from the my freshman year that we're not going to talk about. But, just, you know, the coaches obviously just being there and consistently uh, being consistent with us. You know, they, they were make sure uh, that we stayed on top of our game uh, on the field and off the field. Uh, they were trying to take care of us, um, you know, in the classrooms as well uh, as on the field. And uh, just, just the fact that we were we, us as a team in general, we came together and it all came uh, into fruition during the 2015 year. And uh, we, we were just known as, I mean, I know we weren't Power Five, uh, we weren't a power five school, but we were known as one of the top 
five, I think top ten offenses in the 2015 year. So that's definitely we had a target on our back, and that that just adds a little bit more fuel to the fire after going uh, to the 2015 year. So that was just this is exciting to have everything come together for that year. You, uh, you you block for Nick Mullins basically your whole career. Um, is any yeah. surprise to you uh, what he's doing in San Francisco right now? Uh, not at all. The only thing that was surprised to me is that he didn't get a shot before. Uh, like he didn't get a shot when he first came to San Francisco. But you know, I, I'm, I've always been a huge uh, Nick, Nick Mullins fan, and it's just exciting to see him do the same thing that he was doing at Southern Miss at the at the big stage. You know, uh, I'm, I'm proud. Uh, I'm proud of what he's been doing. I'm also proud of everybody else that I've also played with. But uh, me blocking for Nick, he has like he has a, another section of my heart, just being able to say that I blocked for Nick Mullins, and you know we're still good buddies to this day, and we keep in contact, and it just uh, brings me great honor to say that I played with Nick Mullins. Take us uh, in, like into the huddle. Let, let's say it's a key drive. Let's say it's a uh, you know a big third down or something. I know technically y'all didn't have huddles, so let's just say on the sideline <laughs> going on for the offensive possession. Well, how how would he lead? Like, would he say something to you? Was he a rah rah guy, or did he just kind of look at you and wink and say, "I got this"? Uh, he was definitely not a rah rah guy. Everybody that knows Nick knows he's not a. Uh a super flamboyant or super braggy type of person, but he was, he was, I guess what I would call a realist. You know, we're about to go into the field. Let's just say we're down and he'll tell us, you know, Hey guys, uh, we know the situation. We got to score on this drive. We need, we need an awesome drive and we need to finish off with seven points. So let's go ahead and, you know, take, take the field best we can. And let's uh, get a score by the end of the drive. And then he'll come out with the play. Then we're on the field. And, uh, nine times out of 10, we were going to score that drive. And it all started with Nick. So, so what did he say, or what did you do at Kentucky the first game of your senior year? I mean, that had. To, I mean, that was pretty amazing. We're down all those points. We come back and we beat Kentucky up there. Was that a highlight of one of the highlights of your college career? Uh, it definitely was, and I, I believe that's probably my number one favorite game of all time uh, since I've been playing. And uh, obviously, going into the locker room, I think we're down by three scores probably 21 points, something like that. So we're all down. Uh, and it was more or less uh, just by, you know, Nick talking to us and, just like I said before, him just being a realist, telling us the situation. And we also we knew that Kentucky is a beatable team. Uh, uh, and obviously all teams are beatable, but at the time we knew we knew the flaws. We knew what we needed to capitalize on. We knew the mistakes we were making. And so him just pointing it out to us and us seeing what we can do Against our own defense, we knew that we had the uh, the ability to beat Kentucky that season. And so, us just putting it all together at halftime, uh, I mean, it, it just everything obviously just came together as we went back on the field and just being able to feel the electricity on the field as we were making our run. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think we went on a four score uh, yeah. lead. I, I think we went on like four scores with, uh, with no response, and so that was definitely exciting and. At the end of the game, it was it was just crazy in the locker room. We we're all super excited, um, and it was also a awesome way to start off your your senior career. I mean, your senior year uh, at Southern Miss. So that was pretty uh, rememberable. Absolutely. Well, Brandon, thanks for spending some time with us today, man, and, and thanks for uh, reliving those memories with us. We appreciate you being on the Eagle Hour. Yes, sir. I definitely appreciate it. Brandon Farmer, we'll be back uh, and talk with Patrick McGee right after this. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
Back on a Friday, Luke Johnson, Dalton Stanford from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Great conversation with Brandon Farmer. I believe he told me he's in Birmingham now. That's where he's been since he graduated college. And just uh, talking about the leadership ability for, for for Nick Mullins and how he just was so happy he blocked for him. And, man, just appreciate Brandon, one of those guys that uh, just the, the broken pieces of the program fell in his lap and after his freshman year, and he was one of those guys that contributed uh, as a starting offensive lineman to rebuild Golden Eagle football. We really appreciate him joining us on this Friday uh, of the Eagle Hour. Third segment brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Football season coming up. There's a lot of specials going on with 4th Street Bar and Grill. Check them out on Facebook. They've got weekly specials, daily specials, and and a great uh, daily lunch. That's 4th Street Bar and Grill. Proud sponsor of the third segment of the Eagle Hour. Well, uh, because Bob pays so well, Patrick McGee has uh, has graciously accepted another opportunity this week. Uh, we had him on Monday to talk about the, some breaking news from the athletic department. But Patrick, man, just really appreciate it and know uh, that, that you're paid well to come on this show. And, man, thanks for jumping on for the second time this week. Yeah, anytime. So uh, you have an article, a lot of stuff to talk about, and I just want to kind of lead with this, and there's, there's not much there because it's just kind of general speaking. But, man, so we've been hearing some some rumblings uh, over the last few weeks that there might be uh, some uh, some stuff coming out of Starkville that involved the NCAA. All that breaks today, and it looks like Mississippi State is going to be without uh, some football players uh, in this season. Not sure if it affects the Southern Miss game or not, but, I mean, that's a big news story out of Starkville. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just kind of learning. I heard rumblings as well that Mississippi State may be facing some type of NCAA sanction, and it's not insignificant. It looks like it'll have impact on the season. I know Matt Wyatt had tweeted out that it's 10 players who are going to be suspended for uh, eight games. Uh, that's 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 a lot. That seems to be a fair amount of games, and I would assume that State's probably going to try to get some of those suspensions out of the way early in the season against. Uh, um, Southern Miss and Louisiana Lafayette. They open up with Lafayette. So I'm thinking those two games, you'll probably see some uh, players on the sidelines. I don't have a great, honestly, I mean, 10 players, eight games, is that eight games apiece? Is eight games, I mean, I, I guess that's eight games for each of those 10 players. I and mean, that's, that's, you know, I'm not really sure how that works, honestly. So uh, either way, it looks like there's going to be some uh, players on the sideline whenever they play Southern Miss. Yeah, you would think, uh, and I've been hearing, I wouldn't want to speculate, but you've been hearing, and, and Matt Wyatt tweeted it today also, uh, at Radio Wyatt on, on Twitter. Uh, he's thinking, he's hearing that two of them are potential starters, so we'll see, you know, I think Joe Moorhead was asked about this, and they won't announce suspensions until the week of. But Patrick, you gotta think Louisiana, you gotta think Southern Miss, you gotta think Kansas State, and uh, Abilene Christian, so all four non-conference games, and, uh, they they're going to have them, you know, if, especially if they're starters. You would think uh, Auburn, LSU, A and M, and basically everybody in the West, including the Egg Bowl. So uh, state, you know, if if it's two starters, depending on who it is, but hey, it, it helps the Eagles uh, regardless if state's without a starter, right? Yeah, and uh, state's going to have some uh, uh, new players at key position, quarterback, and other spots. So yeah, I mean, you're you're not going to see a Southern Miss team at 100 percent there early in the season. Uh, when they're missing a couple of, you know, a key starter or two or maybe a key sub or two, and they're still breaking in the new starting quarterback uh, who doesn't really have experience as a starter uh, in Tommy Stevens. So, 
it's a team that, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, Southern Miss is going to go, if that's going to change the Las Vegas line at all or what, but it, it just makes up Mississippi State that much more open to potential upset in Starkville. So you just mentioned Tommy Stevens, the transfer from Penn State, looking to start uh, for the Bulldogs. Let's let's talk about it. Who's going to start for the Eagles? Uh, your article at thesunherald.com this week talking about uh, possible uh, starters for Southern Miss, really at every position. Um, is it safe to say Jack Abraham, after the scrimmage last Friday, has, has uh, basically all but a lock to be the starting quarterback? Yeah, it would be surprising if Jack is not the starter. I mean, I think Tate Wadley's shown some good things, but he's also thrown some interceptions. Uh, I think he had three returns for touchdowns in that first scrimmage. I think he's still a young player and a quarterback who showed some positive things last year, but he's still got a progression to go as, as a as a passer. Uh, I think he's got more confidence in his arm, and that's maybe part of the problem at the moment. He's got to be able to know how to rein it in. He did a good job last season, was kind of able to avoid uh, many interceptions and stuff like that. So I think Watley's got a bright future, but it's pretty obvious that Abraham's going to be the starter for game one. Looking at uh, at tight end, uh, and I was really excited about Driver, the JUCO kid, just because mm-hmm. of how fast he was. But uh, you're saying it looks like Ray Ladner uh, may be the starting tight end. Yeah, uh, offensive coordinator Buster uh, Faulkner. Uh, he said that Driver's still a little bit of ways away. He's got some stuff to learn. He's a guy that didn't play tight end in, in high school. He's a quarterback, so uh, he's not he's not as refined as he's going to be. He certainly looks the part. He's a good athlete, good kid. Uh, probably has all the attributes, the one that's tight end, but he's still got a lot to learn to play uh, tight end at this level. Uh, they and, and Faulkner almost also mentioned Luke Baker as a guy that's got a lot of potential to position. So uh, you've got some guys up the depth chart right now who just have more experience at the position, uh, been at Southern Miss a little bit longer. So maybe Driver's a guy that maybe can kind of catch on. Uh, sometime before the midway point of the season, they have a larger role to play. But to start the season, uh, they're going to rely on guys that have a little bit more experience in the position, understanding playbook. A lot of experience at wide receiver, probably the uh, other than linebacker, the deepest position. You've got Quez Watkins, Tim Jones, Jordan Mitchell uh, right now as the starters. But Harris Hughes is going to be in there. McLaurin uh, can be explosive. Trevor Terry's in there. Six guys that will probably rotate in and out for the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, there's a decent chance that Jalen Adams is actually the starter over Chris Watkins in, in the season opener. Uh, he, he's actually seen more time with the first string here lately, but, uh, you know, considering what, considering what Quez did last year, you know, I still put him in there as a protected starter. Uh, he's obviously a game changer when he's in there and playing well. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, I don't know if I've ever seen a receiving court Southern Miss, uh, have this many options, this many quality options. I mean, you're talking about six to seven guys who have the potential to start and play well, uh, not just, you know, get out there and kind of handle their business. Uh, Neil McCorn and Trevor uh, Terry both have really good springs, and I think they can kind of step up on the outside if there's an injury or two. So, uh, so at the receiver position, as long as uh, Jack Abraham gets uh, time to throw the ball this season, he's going to have uh, plenty of options to throw the ball to Mosley, uh, the consensus starter at, at running back, and he's probably the most complete back. But, man, Steven Anderson, once he got back in camp, uh, he's looked ferocious. But Kevin Perkins has really impressed a lot of people. Yeah, that goes all the way back to the spring. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, signed with Troy after a hit at Juco, and then uh, for whatever reason, things just didn't work out at Troy. And he went back to junior college and didn't get as many opportunities uh, in his second year at Juco. So that's why uh, schools kind of looked him 
uh, and, and he ended up at Southern Miss as a walk-on. He may be on scholarship at this point. I'm not positive. Uh, but, yeah, he's a guy that, you know, to be that third or fourth running back. And uh, I think he's a more complete back at this point. You know, he's played a lot of running back in his career. Stephen Anderson still kind of young at the position. So uh, I think Perkins has got a, a prominent role to play this season. But, you know, I think everybody's excited about what Stephen Anderson can do. Uh, I think he's more complete as a running back than some people give him credit for. You see him out there catching the ball and, and do a lot of things like that. I, I think he's got a chance to – this could be a breakout year for Steven Anderson. It's, you know, If you've got Anderson and Mosley working off each other and both of those guys are playing well behind the good offensive line, uh, Southern Miss is going to have a good rushing, ta- rushing attack, and then you can maybe work in a Perkins here and there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like what Southern Miss has in the backfield. It all comes down to the offensive line getting the push that uh, they didn't have last season. Talk about the O line just in a second. What's the update on uh, Darius Mayberry? Nobody's really uh, seen him, and you know he's still the, that that ACL. Yeah. Is he still dealing with a knee issue, or what is it? Oh well, it, I mean, I just day one of practice, he he was hobbled. Uh, I, I'm not positive on what the injury was, but it, it didn't take long for him to kind of hobble off at one point. So, unfortunately for Darius Mayberry, he's just had a hard time staying healthy. I'm not positive on what the injury is, but. Uh, obviously, he's got other guys working in there that just just are healthier than he is at, at, at this point. Everybody knows Darius has got a lot of potential at the position. He's got just got to catch a break and be able to stay on the field for a little while. Offensive line, uh, probably the most important uh, for us uh, to talk about. Dorbeck's a lock at left tackle, Clopton a lock at center. You would think Fletcher would start at right guard. It was really left guard and uh, right tackle. Cleek Washington, mm-hmm. Tanner Hathorne, Ty Pollard, Coker Wright's been a name that's thrown in there. Who are your uh, your starters at those positions? It, it looks like Pollard has, has kind of locked down that left guard spot. Uh, uh, Faulkner was really kind of glowing in how he talked about uh, uh, Ty here uh, coming in uh, that he's never seen a, an offensive lineman really make a leap uh, from spring to fall the way Pollard has, and that's a great sign. It's just matter he really got dedicated to to the proper diet and getting in shape and at right tackle. You have it could be very, it could very well be Tanner Hoffman at the right tackle. Uh, Kalik Washington does have the benefit of uh, going through spring and and, and finishing the, the spring as a starter there and. And it has a little bit more experience, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if Hawthorne's in there gets snaps at the position as well could potentially start there uh, also. Patrick, you got to go. Can you hang on and talk some more defense on the flip side? Yeah, sure. All right, Patrick McGee will join us in the fourth segment. We'll uh, break down the Nasty Bunch, a really exciting version of the defense uh, this year. People are excited about it. We'll talk through uh, potential starters for the Nasty Bunch Southern Miss defense right after this on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. 
Back on a Friday, fourth segment of the Eagle Hour, brought to us by Gulfport Home Center. More room for you, more room for your family. Gulfport Home Center has the largest inventory of new and used manufactured housing. Check them out on Highway 49 in Gulfport. Gulfport Home Center, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss uh, Lady Soccer Team fell last night in a, uh, a really hard-fought uh, loss to the Missouri Tigers, a one to nothing last night in Columbia. I mentioned with Russ Anderson a little earlier. Could have caught that game on ESPN Plus and the Lady Eagles are on television coming up or on on media platforms uh, online. We'll we'll be sure to let you know that. But they stay in Missouri and they're uh, going over to Southeast Missouri State Sunday at 2 p.m. We continue with Patrick McGee from the Bluxy Sun-Herald. And and Patrick, thanks for uh, sticking around. We covered the offense and uh, let's look to defense. Let's go the D-line. Two preseason all-conference USA guys into Mario Smith and Jacquez Turner. You look at uh, the transfers from Alcorn State and Penn State. Who's your starting uh, four D linemen for the Nasty Bunch? Uh, Jacquez Turner uh, at one end, and they basically got Torrance Brown on the other. And you could see those guys, you know, kind of standing up on one play and down on the line standing on the other. And Demario Smith at one at defensive tackle, and what is it? Uh, Demon Landry probably being there, but it'll be really rotation probably three or four different guys. Uh, Taj Sykes also factoring in the interior. So, uh, the defensive line is in a pretty good spot where they can probably rotate in seven, eight guys on the defensive line. And that's not always been a, uh, something that Southern Miss can do. So yeah, on the line, they're looking pretty good. And I think they think that Torrance Brown's really a real deal there at the defensive end slash linebacker. Eric Kitchens, Nick Dawson were some more guys that they think they mm-hmm. could play. Terry Whittington comes in from Alcorn State. So you kind of feel like, uh, you know, that, that, that they won't have to rely on one or two guys, um, that maybe the number twos are almost as, as good as the number ones. That's good to know. Now, the, the linebacking core, uh, you've been high on this group for a while. Uh, they're pretty special this year, Patrick. Yeah, and, and that's, they're extremely deep. Uh, Rakeem Booth is going to be one linebacker. Then you're looking at probably – uh, Santrell Latham at the other. Hayes Maples could also factor in there. Uh, Tyree Evans, uh, you know, it, the, the list goes on. Swayze Bozeman. I mean, these are all guys that are, you know, pretty good speed. Uh, Raheem is obviously the most experienced in that group, but everybody else is, is you know, every bit as fast as Raheem, if not faster. Uh, it's, it's a group that they think they can kind of do a lot of different things. They can go with a speed package with maybe a Evans and a Bozeman or something like that. Uh, it's, you know, I think, uh, the, uh, Billings defensive coordinator has a lot of different things he can do with the front seven and, and run out different packages and really kind of match what the other team is doing on offense. So I think in the front seven, Southern Miss has got as much versatility as they've had in a long time. And I don't really think they've had that versatility in linebacking court here in recent seasons, especially last year with the Sangster and Ruff and, and Booth. Those guys were all really solid. Uh, but it's, you didn't have the rangy, long, athletic guys at linebacker like they're going to have this season. You know, you almost you almost feel like uh, I remember the the linebacker cores of Liberty Bowls, the Ty Trahan, Latrell Pollard was in there, and some of those guys. You get a feel like uh, you know it, with just the all the different options. You talked about how fast Evans is. Swayze Bozeman, man, he almost looks like a big safety. He's just a little over mm-hmm. two hundred pounds. He had a couple sacks in the scrimmage, but they can mix and match these guys as they please. Yeah, and then you look at a Hayes Maples who, you know, looks every bit the linebacker. You know, he's 6'1", 6'2", uh, 235, and he's just solid. He's just, uh, he's, 
it sticks with the test as any linebacker I've seen at Southern Miss. So uh, it's a group that really kind of I think is going to fit together well, and and everybody's going to have a role to play. It's, you know, there's going to be you know uh, four to five linebackers out there, and each one to make an impact on the game. I uh, I called uh, uh, the Oak Grove Laurel game a few years ago. The poor Laurel defense. Hayes Maples would they put him at quarterback uh, because Plumley was out that game. He just ran the Wildcat the whole game, just killing people. You know what I mean? So anyway, I'm excited to see him light some people up on the defensive side. The defensive backfield for the Golden Eagles. Uh, you talk about Hemby. Hemby's uh, is was second in the nation last year. He's really good. Uh, Rashawn Mitchell's back there. Who are some more names that Golden Eagle fans need to look for? Uh, Ty Williams is back at corner, had a good debut season last year. I expect them to have another good year. Uh, they're at the uh, uh, nickel spot. They're looking at D.Q. Thomas. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, Shannon, Shannon Sowers is at one safety there along with uh, Kyle Allen. Who do I have as a backup there? Nickel, I forget. You got Barnes and Nick Harper. Barnes, okay, Nick Harper there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's backing up the safety. I'm trying to remember. But D.Q. is the nickel back. Basically, you got Rashawn Williams, Ty Williams, uh, uh, Sean Mitchell, Ty Williams at corner, uh, D.C. Thomas at the nickel, Kyle and Hemby at safety, and Shannon Sowers at the other safety. So, uh, overall, looking pretty good there in the, in, in the way things are stacking up in the secondary. Looks like Zach Everett will punt and Andrew Stein yeah. uh, will kick. Well, Patrick, uh, you, you're pretty good on uh, you know calling stuff, so we'll, we'll see against on August 31st how accurate you were. I'm calling an over or under of about 90%, so uh, I hope that pleases yeah. you. But, man, thanks for uh, spending uh, some Friday afternoon with us and, uh, and breaking this stuff down for us. Man, have a great weekend. All right, y'all too. Patrick McGee of the Bluxy Sun-Herald. Dalton, real quick, where can our listeners hear from the Eagle Hour? All of our fans can check us out on Spotify, on SoundCloud, via the website, on the Google Play Music app, on the iTunes podcast app, and on Stitcher. And don't forget, if you miss our show on the radio, you can listen to us live on Supertalk Hattiesburg or Laurel.com. We'll be breaking down some more Conference USA football teams. Monday, special interview, Marshant Kenny talking about linebackers. That'll be fun. Enjoy your last weekend without Golden Eagle football. We'll be back on Monday. It's game week, y'all. And as always, Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.